Welcome to the Sacred Body Podcast with Stacey Ramsauer. I'm your host, Stacey, and I believe that the body is a space of reverence. Whether we're talking about your body of flesh and bones that house your soul, spirit, or the body of the earth, even your body of work, I believe the body is a space of sacred connection and reflection. Until we have the capacity, the tools, the language to relate to our body and express ourselves with ease and authenticity, our relationships and our experience of belonging here to this earth and to each other will be fractured. On this podcast, we explore the dynamics of light and darkness, pleasure and pain, and even comfort living in our own skin. I hope you enjoy. All right, everybody. I'm here with the one and only Ash Ritter. (laughs) I met Ash through a friend and teacher and guest on this podcast, Pamela Samuelson. I think you were in the Bay Area and worked with Pam's partner. Yeah. I'm remembering the story correctly, but um, Ash, you are an herbalist and author (laughs) and teacher, and I would consider you a very wise woman. I've learned a lot from you, and it's my great pleasure to have you here in conversation for the podcast to share your wisdom. There's so many things that I want to talk to you about, but I because you're a new guest on the podcast, a lot of people I have back. So for this first conversation, I'd love for you to just give a brief or long introduction of yourself, how you came to herbalism, anything you want to share in this moment that feels like a good introduction of who you are. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. Um, Hi, world. Yes, yes, I'm Ash Ritter. And um, I just absolutely love the natural breathing pulsating living world um so I'm I'm an ethnobotanist first that's like my training but also that's where my heart is in that I love the idea of relational herbalism and not just herbalism but this relationship that humans have always had with plants and fungi um and then the historical piece so how I can study history through the lens of plants and fungi and learn things and understand things that oftentimes either don't make it into history books or are manipulated by history books. There's so much of the untold story um, that I feel like continues on in this, the organic intelligence of the world. So, so yes, um, I love, I love it all. I, it's a long ass meandering synchronistic strangely magical story of how it all became my life um but it's been my life since i was consciously since i was a teenager um so my entire adult, adult life i've been in this devotion and practice and study of of the these realms um and most of my studies have been through direct apprenticeship one on one um Also, I am a book nerd, you know, and I did the academia thing as well. Um, And just so much of my practice is also informed by gnosis, by direct experience. I feel like all of these disciplines are equally as important. So I love integrating all that and how I do what I do, which also is, yeah, practice having an herbalism practice and writing and making stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I resonate with that aspect of your work in the world so much about coming, knowing it from all different angles, because it's quite different. Like, I'm in academia myself in this moment, and it's quite different to study human sexuality from that vantage point and to talk about, like, how should we be talking about it in a therapeutic and how should and what what is the underlying philosophy? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, It's, it's a fascinating conversation to be in and quite, quite quite, quite different from my somatic education training, like just getting your hands on bodies and learning how to communicate what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just, I, I love listening to you speak about the 
the plants and our relationships with them. And I think that there's so much wisdom for everyone through this conversation and something that I have been speaking about that's been sort of a theme and I've invited your input on this theme and I'm sure we'll get to lots of other topics is I've been speaking a lot about postpartum rage. Mm, right. It extended the, the woman I spoke to yesterday is not a mother and was sort of like, I don't know that I can really speak to that, but I can speak to female rage. Mm. And but but sort of even the the archetype of mother. And one a question that came up for me when I was thinking about our conversation or anticipating a conversation, I was like, Ash, can you tell us about mothering behavior in plants? Sure. I mean, I can tell you from my unique perspective, which is I haven't um, labored babies yet. I haven't I haven't made babies yet. Um, however, um, I feel absolutely aligned with this mother frequency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a lot of background to that, but um, that's absolutely a core aspect of how I present and resonate in the world. And Wonderful. you said motherhood and, and rage. Mm. This time we're in, you know, um, so much of how I learn from the plants um, and the fungi is by sitting in direct relationship with the land. And this time we're in is one of absolute dynamism and complexity and paradox where it is equally beautiful and treacherous. It's equally um, sparkling and serene and hellish. And when I sit with this question or this curiosity of what does it feel like to be the land right now? And how does that translate to the land and the terrain of my my body? What does it feel like to be, and this is a practice and an exercise I do all the time when I'm bopping around in my study, my ever living, ever going study of plants and mushrooms is, what does it feel like to be Ocotillo? What does it feel like to have a thorn? What does it feel like to be soft? What does it feel like to be hard? So, so when I tap into that space of curiosity, um, absolutely there's rage. <laughs> absolutely there's rage for the offenses and missteps, um, conscious and unconscious on the terrain, Mother Earth, if you want to call it that, Gaia. Um, and I love this notion of being with it because it is like the alchemical flame that burns, you know, it is active. And in that activating sparkage, um, we can create, we can create with that. What do we create? Ah, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my sensation when I tap into the rage, the absolute rage on this planet is that it moves the intelligence of planet earth to act accordingly. Mm. And that act accordingly could look like avalanche. It could look like volcano. It could look like earthquake. It could look like um, bacteria beings and viral beings and fungal beings it could look like all of these things that are the ultimate transformers um and that too is love because life wants to live life loves living (laughs) even death is is for life again you know in my opinion as as a plant person because it is that which feeds the next and the next and the next and the next, the compost heap, you know, so. Um, 
I actually am excited by this notion of really tapping into that intelligence of rage in relationship with all of the other sensations that come with being a living, breathing being. Um, and, and to me, the trick is how to keep it moving. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking as you were speaking, I had the thought, you know, certainly there's rage is undeniable, mm -hmm. but it's that, um, you know, rage itself in my contemplation and in a couple conversations, rage itself is like the result of suppression mm. of these perhaps subtler messages of like, mm -hmm. this isn't working. You've crossed a boundary. Right. This is unacceptable. And right. the more it gets suppressed or repressed, it mm. starts to come out in this much more violent way, mm. which, which doesn't make it wrong, but it's like a, understanding the flavor and the nuance of it is something very important to look at. And we would rather not look at it. Mm. And I think by not looking at it, which is a continuation of that original suppression, that's when we get like really extractive behavior, mm. you know, like just taking and taking and taking and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful too, for your articulation of the fact of, you know, the, the prismatic expressions <laughs> of nature, like lots of different faces, lots of different colors and knowing all of it is really in, important. Mm. I mean, this is the fascinating thing, you know, something like, for example, in Western allopathy and Western medicine, a lot of the study of health is done on cadavers, right? It's done on right. dead bodies. And I feel like there's this translation that happens in a lot of how we move um, in, you know, the consciousness of Western civilization, which is, you know, we'll look at the outburst of rage, say, in a human expression, and just look at it as that and be like, oh, what the F, you know, this is uncomfortable. This is this, this is that. But, but kind of when we zoom out and sort of unfurl, like you were saying, you know, what has fed into this spring that created this, this flash flood all of a sudden, you know, what has fed into this and, and even thinking about the rage of the planet you know, perhaps expressing itself as, as catastrophe, looking as a catastrophe. It's when I think in systems, I think, well, 10 steps forward from that, that creates a terrain where a brand new algae can bloom and that oh. algae will end up feeding um, a brand new butterfly in 10,000 years. And then that butterfly in the next 10,000 years will lead to this whole new flower being pollinated so sometimes i i really like to do that you know really get out of this human timeline and and get into that breathing of this huge expanse and dynamism of what what can rage lead to it can actually lead to the most beautiful thing in the world if we let it happen and same for us like well that like the letting it happen you mm -hmm. know i i i would love to get into this deeper Okay. In terms of understanding, like, for our, you know, how these natural expressions are showing up for us as humanity. Mm. And my area of focus, of course, is maternal health. And it's like, okay, so there's this rage. There's a tremendous breakdown in mental and physical well being, and we're just medicating it. The insistence is there's something clearly wrong with you and we need to medicate that and get that gone as soon as possible. We're not allowing it to move. And so how much longer can we, can we hold back this natural evolutionary process of like destabilization to reorganization? Mm. It's, I mean, and I see that honestly in herbalism as well, where people will treat mm. plants as if they are to do a quick fix, a quick change as opposed to this idea that I move in, which is these are living, breathing, intelligent organisms. And when I say, for example, you know, this cup of tea, when I sip this cup of Camellia sinensis, I enmesh with the consciousness and intelligence of this 
of this plant being. Mm -hmm. And by enmeshing with that consciousness, I get to know what is it like to be tea. And that accesses a different part of my lived experience. It accesses a different part of my awareness, my physical awareness, my all the orbs of awareness. And, and then I get the gift of perspective. And that perspective allows me to see like, huh, what? what does this rage look like from the perspective of me and tea, <laughs> you know? And so it, it's interesting to think of how we medicate, whether it's pharmaceutical agents or botanical beings. Oh, yeah. um, to me, it's, it's, it could be anything. It's just about how how we do it that gives us access into certain files, you know, in the system. I know um, you're an Ani DeFranco fan. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> no, this, you know, eternal, eternal quote on my podcast. Every tool is a weapon if you hold it right. There it is. Yeah, that's right. And vice versa. Mm, yes. And vice yes. versa. Yes. Ah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, that's mm. the funny thing. I think so. It's so easy to slide into doom and gloom. Right. Yeah. It's so, it's too easy. And, and oftentimes I'm like, what if we flip-flopped it and looked at the same thing differently? Like, like, yeah, this weapon is actually a really amazing tool. Um, you know, <laughs> all of these deities, these, these, female rageful deities that we know and love that that wield you know the purba or that wield whatever their their knife um but they wield it for a specific purpose and it's a clean sword so not going to yeah. get infected it's just going to be one and done <laughs> as long as we're paying attention but yes no yeah i the the conversation i had yesterday was um, with the wonderful Sally Kempton and we talked all about Kali and mm. this this reorganization towards love. Mm. This cataclysm is not for destruction's sake. It's for the reorientation to love and to sustainability on planet Earth. And there's this tension here between you know our human need to control or to believe mm. that we are somehow in charge but our participation is so much more like I don't know it, it's that it's really just that tension this relaxed and yet alert mm. where is the stability what is the stability exactly that allows me to surrender in such a way as to be an instrument myself that can carry this forward and not just get like wiped out. Mm. I mean, Unless we need that, to be wiped out. I don't know. <laughs> that's that thing of like relaxation and serenity for me, at least in my experience and in my practice, so much of what I get to continue to learn forever is that these spaces are dynamic mm -hmm. and they're in constant flux. So there's no you know, place I get. There's if no I get still there, point. Uh-uh, if I get there, poof, you know, it's gone in the next. And and yeah. that's part of like the pendulum swing. That's the breath. That's the breath. That's why I think the breath as an example of something to turn to, you know, this dynamic moving space um, of relaxation and, and relaxation, not like, oh, it's all good mm -hmm. um, in a sense, but that I can always come around, you know, to this moment and be with whatever is happening. I think to me, that's, for me, more serenity is to be with whatever is happening instead of pushing against whatever is happening, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Even if it is uncomfortable because a lot of times it's the resistance that gets us stuck in the loop <laughs> yeah the rigidity mm -hmm. um i 
just read yesterday part of a, a book that the book is Ayurveda for Women and just reviewing some things in there. And the author, Dr. Svoboda, he said, oh, yeah, the medicine is what works. And I love, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love like the approach in Ayurveda is generally like opposites cure each other, but there's also an element of the homeopathic ethos of like, <laughs> sometimes you need to aggravate, you know, sometimes we need to activate some aggravation, but I love this notion that the medicine is what works in that okay. it evokes such curiosity and going back to that inversion of the quote, like every weapon is a tool if you hold it right. You know, can we just shift our perspective, put on a different lens mm. and see, see our path forward um, differently? I think, I think there's so much energy toward, you know, we just have to like make this one change and then it's going to be smooth sailing and we mm -hmm. won't have to do, you know, rather than, no, it's this ongoing puzzle, this ongoing shift and adjustment and adaptation. It's always going to take deliberate action and a bit of surrender. Mm. And we have to get curious about what's going to work. Mm. I mean, there are so many plants that are flashing through my consciousness yes. right now too. And just thinking about, you Bring know, in one sense, um, this is why, particularly in the last three to four years, I've been coming out about my research that I've been doing for a long time about um, these so-called poison plants and poison fungi. Um, I'm so intrigued by how we can constantly be flipping the script of when we're being told something is poison, when we're being told the world is poisoned, when we're being told we're all gonna die, you know, um great I'm like great you know how have we used poison as medicine then <laughs> because because that's actually really empowering um not just figuratively but literally uh, as well um wow very empowering and even in a really lightweight sense because I mean I could talk about solanase you know the deadly nightshades and I could <laughs> talk about amanita muscaria and I love talking about those things but a really easy fun example that just is so present right now for me is um horsetail hmm. plant horsetail which any herb shop natural health food store is probably going to have this plant and a lot of times people know this first of all it was a plant that was around with the dinosaurs so it has this primal wow. primal intelligence you know and um a lot of people know it as, oh, it's really mineral dense. It's full of calcium and silica. It's good for your bones, da, da, da. But what is silica? Its body is made of silica. What is silica? They're, they're little crystals. Mm -hmm. And when we drink horsetail tea, these little crystals, they're like jagged little guys and they run through. And when they move through the urinary tract, they irritate the hell out of it. I, and we don't necessarily feel that, but they're they're mm -hmm. scraping along the way. And as they're scraping along the way, the body goes, hey, 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 like what's going on? And then it makes us pee. And it's a kidney medicine, right? It's a wow, diarrhea. Yeah. So, so it's just an easy to me example of like irritation can be medicine. Not, and, and again, you don't want to drink horsetail tea every day because then it can feel physically irritating. Ugh. But and dosed out appropriately yeah. <laughs> with intent, with consciousness, with conscious awareness, irritation is absolutely medicinal in this very literal sense with, with horsetail as a, one of many examples, you know. That's awesome. There. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I love this, and this was something that I had <laughs> written down already, but it's like, this is such a perfect example of like plant medicine more often than not is very subtle. Mm. Like this <laughs> irritation created by the silica crystals and horsetail, mm. like 
there's so much going on on such a micro level. And for the most part, culturally, like we've lost subtlety. Mm. So I just wonder, I'm just like wondering about that. Like mm. maybe our, I would love to talk to you about microdosing and the, the increasing popularization of psychedelics and how to work in this more subtle way. I mean, there's a lot of like not subtle plant medicine going on too, but yeah, maybe just if we can start with the subtle aspect and, and what, what your sense of, in terms of how maybe the subtlety that is at the heart of plant medicine, as far as I see it, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. is sort of being adjusted for the needs of our time. We're like, we're not so subtle and we need to ease our way into it. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I'm going five directions at once. I have so many <laughs> things to say about all of that. I mean, in one sense, um, if we grew up in the colonized West, it's my experience that we are brought up in a very desensitizing way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even just from media, right? Like, whoops, I opened Instagram and I just saw this really intensely violent thing that I wasn't planning on seeing and and just keep scrolling, you know. So there's that aspect of our of our world where I see why a lot of like new age hippies are trying to just drink ayahuasca. I don't support that, but I see why they're trying to drink ayahuasca every week. And it's because some people are so desensitized that they're trying to slap themselves in the face in this sort of masochistic way to like break free of that. And while I, again, I'm, I'm not, that's not my style. Um, I recognize that, that it takes a lot of deep listening and that curiosity to get into these subtle spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, to me, takes a rewiring of our relationship with time. Mm. Because again, like we're on now, we're in this Amazon Prime world. I get it all the time where people will email me the next day after they order something like, when is it shipping? I'm like, ah, it's seven days, you know, soon, I promise. But yeah. there's this, this, and it's much further back than Amazon Prime, but that's just the easy kind of go-to of our time scale where we're so um, primed (laughs) to be in the space of instant gratification, but what really is the gratification? I mean, and for those of you that are like highly orgasmic beings, it's like, we know good things take time (laughs) and take take attention. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, and so, you know, even if we're talking not just about microdosing psilocybe mushrooms, but the subtle work with all of the plants, which, um, like you said, homeopathy or, you know, drop dosing, I call it drop dosing, like, Ooh, just let me take a taste, right. Let me nibble a leaf. And so our relationship to time can be one of, of moving a bit slower and then Mm. expand because space and time are connected it seems, you know, so then all of a sudden our relationship, as we get slower in time, our relationship to space, I feel like can kind of expand out and we have a little bit more room to sense into our spatial awareness and how I individual ash meet the air that's blowing out of my fan and how that meets my skin. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh, now I can sort of be with the attention of that. So now what's happening between me and the fan and it's blowing on my skin. And so ultimately I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a way of thinking and a way of seeing and a way of sensing mm-hmm. that allows us to act, activate certain aspects of things like psilocybe mushrooms where they're going to be a different medicine depending on how you come at it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of like the difference between dialogue and 
conversation. I don't know that it would be exactly that. I'm, as I learned about dialogue, it's, it's like the third is not given, like it is an alchemical process. You can't know what the outcome is going to be. And if you think you do know the outcome, that's a negotiation. Hmm. that's you trying to force the other person's hand. And I feel like there's so much of that in how we use plant medicine. Like you're going to do this for me, plant. Yeah. (laughs) Rather than any sort of like, hello, plant. I'm here to meet you. I'm here to listen to what you have to say. Right. Which might not be very, you know, exactly what I want. It's interesting because, you know, so many of even like the herb, herbal, reference books are regurgitating kind of these same things that have been said over time over a hundred years over a thousand years whatever and they're regurgitating these things where you know again it 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 does us a disservice when we just look at the piece of paper and and again there's there's lots of cool pieces of paper I, I love reading and I love scanning all the data but and and also recognizing that we're all wired really unique. We're finally talking about neurodivergence. You know what I'm saying? Um, we're finally talking about flora, gut flora. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. Like I'm a crazy millions of beings in one. Yeah. And, and, and your little beings in your gut are way different than my little beings in my gut. And all of those things literally inform how we produce our own inner drugs, our neurotransmitters in the first place, and how much serotonin we produce, how much dopamine, all of these things literally shift how we perceive reality. We're all walking around perceiving reality so differently. So when we mm. get curious about how the plants or how the mushrooms meet us, it allows that space to be like, oh, like this is something that my grandparents did. This is something that my great grandparents did. So there's this deep ability to just go straight into the heart of this felt experience. Whereas if I'm working with a plant or a mushroom, that's not, you know, my ancestors haven't worked with that. It may, it may take a little longer, right. To sort of sit with and unpack what the sensations are here, you know, um, so, oh, there's so many things that I, I mean, and even too, you know, as as the realm, the psychedelics realm um, becomes more popularized, becomes more commercialized, becomes less criminalized. Um, there's that same thing we see with herbalism. It's like, cool, let's standardize it. Let's put it in a capsule. Let's make the fancy label. Let's do all these things. And, you know, at what point, like what happened? This is, uh, this is not my quote. This is a quote from a, a friend of mine, Mudu, that I will never forget. He said, what happens when we medicalize the sacred? Well, look what's happened to birth. Ha <laughs> ha to me, that's the, that's the example. Look what happens when we medicalize the sacred. Ooh, ooh. I mean, and even too, you know, I think about so many mm-hmm. of these, so many plants are named after deities, especially like their Latin binomial names. And I think of all of these feminine deities associated with childbirth and almost always they're underworld, they're dark, they're associated with death as well and 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 then you know the roman catholic church is like nope like that's spooky stuff we're gonna (laughs) all that out the window again it's not medicalizing but what happens when we yeah yeah mm, clean it up (laughs) and it's there it's never gonna go away in my opinion that 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 energy that quality because that's a quality of nature is never gonna go away so, but there's so, also this, and I'm certain yeah. you know so much more than I do about this in terms of how it's playing out in the plant world, plant medicine world, but like taking these plants out of context, you know, like they're in, I think each of us, our indigenous heritage has something there for right. us in terms of psychedelic medicine. Yep. And it's a global phenomenon. We all have something. We all have it. So it's not like this is 
it's not like this only belongs to you know one thing but we all we are also taking it out of context and taking it out of relational context yep and as someone like I started microdosing because I did not feel at all aligned with taking pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. for my postpartum depression and anxiety and it has been life-changing and Mm. not having and you know I think there's something really important something that was missing for me and it maybe stretched out this experience of being in a deep depression experiencing these bouts of rage Mm. is that it wasn't relational it was just like here's your cute little caps and take them every three every third day and Mm. go on your merry way and like I said there was real medicine there for me Mm -hmm. real healing for me and out of a relational context it it was not as medicinal as it could have been I believe Mm. and I'm curious about this like thing that we do in western culture in american culture specifically of just like again this extraction like i'm just going to take what i think i want i'm going to take what seems good but you can't take you can't do that it's like we can and it becomes a different being it's cuz yeah. my my feeling my feeling is that And this is to me the interesting thing about ethnobotany and going into sort of the little esoteric realms with this idea Mm -hmm. of the relationship between people and plants is say, for example, there's a plant like um, lemon balm, right? It's been a garden herb, super friendly, super soft, super safe, you know, not a lot of contraindications. It's been a friend of humans for a long, 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 long time. So it has this maybe, if you will say, like a collective consciousness or an egregore you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a soul body, um, that knows humans, you know, and we can tap into that. And in that soul body of our relationship with lemon balm, lemon balm's medicine gets informed by how we've labeled its medicine. And now this is true for Mm -hmm. cannabis. This is true for psilocybe. This is true for everything else, you know, is we have this emergent properties you know this collective intelligence that comes from how we meet each other and how we've met each other throughout time so like it's interesting because I know so many people in the last couple years who reached out to me and they're like hey I've smoked cannabis my whole life and recently I feel like I'm allergic I don't know what's going on and I'm like well it could be a number of things it could be the weird pesticides they're putting on it could be it's not grown in sun and soil it could be some weird hybrid strain you know and 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 again, they all do a thing. They all right. have chemistry. Yes. Um, yes. And how does that, th- it's a living, breathing intelligence that we co-create together. So now what happens as we co-create together? I mean, the thing I will say about your share about microdosing is, again, you know, like microdosing is is that slow, subtle path. So sometimes the unfurling of what it's working in us all of a sudden a month later you look and in retrospect it's like oh that's why I was like having losing my mind yeah oh whereas you know in a high dose experience you're just that night you're gonna get smacked with all of that real hot real fast maybe Mm -hmm. so again it's that time bending thing I think that happens too when we do that low dose subtle work is 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 like can we take the time to be in contemplation or reflection or journaling because a month three months I'm always like three months you give it three months I'm like three months down the line you look back and you're like wow actually I've really shifted a lot of things and I didn't even realize I thought I was doing it me 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 you know, thank but, you for that because yeah. you just allowed me to see my blind spot of where I'm also doing that extractive medicine of like, mm. hey, I want you to give me this little plant. And there's a time and a place for it. When I have a migraine, I'm like, please, Willow Bark, like help me. You know, I'm like, do your thing. Yeah, like come on, buddy, do that very specific thing. Yeah. So 
I mean, and that's, you know, and I think that's where the word drugs comes in. It's like, are we working with this as a drug? Because there's a place for that. Are we working with this as an intelligence that I want to meet? There's a place for that. Um, Right. Like if we need a surgical procedure, we don't want slow and subtle. Right. (laughs) We want (laughs) That's it. Very overt. Indeed. It's so, it's like such a pleasure to hear you speak. And I am just sitting in gratitude for your deep devotion to just being, what's, what's the word I want to use? Just, this is such an oversimplification, not at all the word I'd hope, but like being a go-between between our human and the plant world and supporting this like much broader deeper understanding I mean the amount the the increasing reach of your work that I'm observing I'm so happy I'm Mm. so happy that you are generating so much information and learning and opportunities for folks all over the place it's Mm. really wonderful thank you yeah it's that's a whole other can of worms. It's taken me a long time to like come out and be seen with this work I've been doing my whole life. And even my namesake, like I'm Ash, you know, my parents, I don't think they realized when they were naming me, but like I, and and I had this revelation that that's another story, but I'm not Ash the tree, even though the Ash tree is a magnificent world tree and Amanita muscaria grows with it. Yay. But like I'm, <laughs> I'm Ash. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm between, I am, I'm truly an, an in-between gal. I am wow. earth and sky. I am fire and poof. I am, that, <laughs> I am that which, you know, just to, to fertilize the next thing. And, and, and even my, my Hebrew name is Devora. It's the honeybee, you know, so I go, I'm a go between, I'm a liminal gal and I'm like super Aquarian. So I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely, you hit the nail on the head. I'm definitely a, a go-between. And and plants, this will maybe have to be for another podcast or something, but plants are, and mushrooms are really who taught me the joys and pleasures of being a sensing human in a body. And it took mm-hmm. me a long ass time to get in my body. And, and yeah, the plants and the mushrooms mm. taught me, have continue, always, will always teach me about my humanness. And it's, it's a wild ride. <laughs> and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for their, um, their devotion to us, even when we're fucking up. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, we'll still grow, you know, no problem. You spilled oil all over this pile. Cool. Oh. Yeah, oyster mushroom. No worries. I'll just transform it. No, no problem. You know, <laughs> it is miraculous. Yeah, it um, is. <laughs> just hearing you say that, I'm just aware of like the slowing down of all my physiological processes, like, uh, And, uh, you know, I'm a somatic practitioner and that (laughs) the capacity to sense, to be aware of the fact of our adaptability Mm. is so powerful because to your point, like, I'm really grateful for this reminder that we can we can flip the script at any time. We can give ourselves a different lens to look through. And it requires this somatic willingness or, you know, in, in my body, it also has to be a thing where yeah. I can have a different perspective and slowly start to alter the behavior. Mm. It's not an idea. That to me is my ultimate gratitude for the entheogens or the psychoactive plants and fungi is the medicine of perspective. 
because so much of I think what we perceive as medicine is let me push on this and add something in like blah 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 blah. I'm going to add something in or we got to take this out we're going to extract it right so we have like the psychic surgery or the literal surgery and then we have the drugging or the planting or the um whatever inputs we're going to input but there's also this third neutral position that I think oftentimes gets overlooked and that's perspective and the medicine to me the medicine perspective of perspective is is my favorite and and something like philosophy mushrooms who does that so well but but ultimately like where we started our conversation of what does it feel like to be okatio for example mm. any any being is is that question that curiosity that prompt is available with a mountain with a stream with another person with the with the little birdies outside like that question is available to us at all times what does it feel like to be uh and perspective so yeah perspective to me is is the ultimate um like missing missing link <laughs> in in how we perceive medicine and that's the holy trinity to me you add you subtract but you gotta have neutral too if you don't have neutral you're just pushing and pulling all the damn time <laughs> I remember hearing you say that in the class, but I had forgotten yeah. until just now. It's wonderful. Mm. Mm. Add, subtract, and neutral. Neutral. Well, it's neutral. like the I've I've learned the wise woman model. Like first, do nothing. Mm. See what that does. Mm. <laughs> in this, you know, list of possible interventions, first, do nothing. Huh. <laughs> I know, right? That's a hard one sometimes, huh? <laughs> well, especially when there's like all these operating parts that are like, you have to prove how much you know, you have to do the right thing, you have to, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's so much internal pressure at times. And that is, you know, that's where these tools come in so handy. It's not that there's always an external answer, but it's that it's more of that relationship. Like, how can I utilize these tools to enhance what is what is medicinal in me? There's a I think I said this in the class that I took with you. There's this beautiful Ayurveda. Well, it's not an Ayurvedic mantra, it's a Vedic mantra in Sanskrit, and it's the invocation to Soma. And it's like essentially an invocation to the intelligence of this plant, this herb, whatever it is we're working with to mm. enhance what is medicinal in me. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. That's it. Right. <laughs> That's it. Cause we're all coming with our uniqueness. We're all coming with our, our weirdness and, and, and in a world and, and even again, around to rage again in a world that you know, has sort of compartmentalized us in, in different ways, you know, monocropped us in different ways. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, going back to that or going forward into that space of that, in, that invocation, like you said, that allowing us to breathe the beautiful freaks that we are, that's our medicine. And it can feel uncomfortable sometimes, but what the hey? I mean, that's that's what got me getting a lot more public with my work. I'm like, what the hey? You know, who knows what's going on on planet Earth? Might as well just go for it at this point, you know? <laughs> Might as well just let the freak flag fly. And and again, that is absolutely our, like, it, to me, it's a healing balm, you know, for myself. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by your, you don't need to retrace all the steps of your journey, but your journey to the Sonoran Desert. Oh. And I'd love to know, I was, I was born and raised here oh. and so are my parents. And so there's a part of me, but like my, you know, clearly this is not my hair, my ancestry. Mm -hmm. And yet like, I feel very at home in this landscape in a yeah. way that not everybody does. And so I'm just fascinated what brought you to this ecosystem and tell me what you love so much about it. 
Well, it's a long story. I'm trying to think of how I want to share it out loud. I've always loved the desert, um, always since I was a child. My Nana and Pop had this painting um, from, what is the artist's name? De Grazia? No. He does these beautiful, I'm spacing on his name. It's right at the edge of my awareness, but he does these beautiful, like, um, probably Danae ladies with pottery or flowers. And ah, he has a gallery in Santa Fe. Anyways, um, my Nan and Pop had this painting in their house from this artist. And I would always stare into this, this color, you know, these colors and this beautiful, like, peach beige landscape and just I lived in that I would live in that painting um I've always loved the desert and it's a really multifaceted story of how I got here but the sh maybe short form and I'll just be transparent about it is in uh it's probably like 2012 I ate a pretty high dose of psilocybin mushrooms <laughs> and the message one of the messages I got was you don't need to learn from people anymore you can be done with that. Um, you're supposed to learn from rocks now. And it specifically told me to study the petroglyphs of the Southwestern United States. And wow. that um, led me on a whole meandering path. So I just started reading a lot of history books about the Diné people, the Hopi people, um, getting into the world of petroglyphs and studying the global phenomena of petroglyphs and finding all of these similar shapes, the spiral, the stick man that you see across the world. And again, just like the plants, it was how can I study history beyond the written word, which is usually written by whatever, the winner of some war anyway, right? How can I study history in the land itself? And so I went into the petroglyph realm and and the world of symbol, there's so many levels to that. But flash forward a few years later, um, I was at this herbalism conference, the conference I'm going to speak at actually in uh, three weeks or whenever it is in Colorado, I was at the Good Medicine Confluence. This was many years ago. And I knew I needed to move to the Southwest at that point. It just took me a while to unhinge. And there was a teacher speaking there and he was teaching a class called Magical Cacti. I was like, well, I have to go, I have to go to that. And I had seen this, this teacher uh, speak before um, Kenneth Profrock and he blew my freaking mind how absolutely genius level he is, but also the way that he can, again, synthesize all of these dis different disciplines and somehow end up with this beautiful life lesson, even though he just drew all these molecular you know, forms on the chalkboard and this. And so I knew I really, I was drawn to this guy. I go to the class Magical Cacti. He's talking a lot about the history of the peyote tradition in the United States and, and Mesoamerica, mm -hmm. Mexico, and blah, blah, blah. Peyote cactus is called grandfather, right? Um, I come out of that class and I get a phone call that my grandpa had just passed away. And grandpa Saul, and he was 106. He lived a really long life. Um, but I get a phone call, my grandpa passed away and I was like, wow, this is synchronistic. <clears throat> and then at that same conference, I go to another session by the same teacher and I asked a really boring question. Actually the backstory, I don't know if I've ever told anyone. I asked a boring question in class. I was like, have you ever made shelf stable gels with herbs? And why I was asking it is because I make herbal lube so I was like I want to make yeah. a water-based lube but I didn't say that out loud because I was shy so I was like have you ever made shelf stable gels anyway this lady comes up to me after class she's like I've been seeing you ask questions in different classes I really like the questions you ask um let me come introduce you to to Kenneth to Dr. Profrock and I was like no 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 like he's super cool he's the it guy all these people are crowding him I don't want to bug him like <laughs> even though I really wanted to meet him she takes me down to meet him. She's like, Ken, this is Ash. She'd like to shadow you in the office. Um, when's a good time for her to start? And he's like, oh, nice to meet you, Ash. How's September? And I was like, what? And at the time I had just moved to Tucson. I didn't have a car because I lived in the Bay Area for years. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. 
I find out after my grandpa passes that he's leaving me a couple thousand dollars. I buy a car with that. It was the exact amount for my car. And then I got to shadow with Dr. Profrock for two years, who's a naturopath just north of Phoenix, Arizona. So like, that's one part of how I got here. (laughs) It's a, so this, and this is how my apprenticeships have always gone where it's like, I, I, I didn't, it just mystics, you know? um, Yeah. But there's so much self-trust in that story. There's so much of that. Like you really let yourself trust the plants trust your own capacity to like show up and make things happen. Well, that's incredible. Oh, yeah. So, I I mean, and, and it was at a time too, where I'd had the pretty gnarly breakup and I was like, I need to learn how to be, I need some grit. I was like, I need to, I want to toughen up. If I can learn how to be a cactus, then I can be anywhere. I can do anything. I can survive whatever apocalypse comes our way. And, um, and I've learned, I continue to, the desert is is uh, a profound place of medicine. This is a medicine. The terrain is the medicine. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's taught me so much about my edges and how to move in my body, right? And be present in a completely different way. Um, especially out here, I live on a ranch outside of town and it's like, bobcats rattlesnakes uh constant coyote activity just thorns thorns all day scorpions all day so the the desert is medicine wow i don't have to take anything <laughs> well before when i stopped myself so that we could hit record this question that i'm dying to oh. ask you <laughs> What is in your first aid kit? What's in your, like, and even like, what is your primary medicine for now? Mm. Like, I would love to know what herb you're working with or, you know, special concoction. Oh my gosh. Um, So first aid kits, I feel like first aid kits are, should be pretty personal to the person. um, Cause we all have our different kind of like weak links, right? Like, um, but always, 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 there's going to be some herb or formulation in there that's styptic, right? That stops bleeding. So for me, usually I keep like a little um, vial of like powdered yarrow. Um, but I, that could be many things, right? A, a styptic. Um, there are a lot. The turkey tail mushroom is a styptic. I mean, there's many things that stop bleeding. Um, but I usually have yarrow powder. And then I'll have some, usually I have a tincture of cayenne pepper. Um, this is something my, one of my mentors, Chuck, always said, um, you know, it'll, it'll kickstart the heart. Mm. Like, and, and, and that's something too, that's a whole other storyline. But when I lived in the Bay Area, and this is something that got me like a lot more dialed into just practical herbalism is I'd always be some sort of first responder on a hectic medical emergency scene because that's how the universe wanted it and um, Chuck always taught me like if you see someone on the ground and you don't know if they're alive or not you drop some cayenne tincture in their mouth and if they're still alive they'll come up swinging at you you know Uh, but yeah it will kickstart the heart it also will um, it will um, stop bleeding in a wound and it'll disinfect it and it hurts like the dickens, but it works. Um, I usually keep some kind of tincture of any kind of resinous um, plant. I, I Right now, I think I have frankincense tincture or myrrh. It's actually myrrh. I have myrrh tincture in my first aid kit and that will actually like close a wound and disinfect it at the same time. Uh, I always keep a mini jar of honey um, for many reasons um, in a moment of like shock or trauma to taste honey and have a moment of sweetness is, is actually profound. Um, honey is to me the best thing to treat burns. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's blood sugar drops because they're on the trail, a little spoon of sugar, you know, um, same way I like having a little thing of salt um as like an electrolyte type 
source. Uh, what else do I keep in my first aid kit? Yeah, a lot of things. Those are definitely the baseline yeah. things. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. For anyone who's listening to this who also lives in the Sonoran Desert in summer. Yeah. Well, that's Ash. What's our what's our best herbal ally for summer in the Sonoran Desert? You know, I am a freak for peach leaf, which is maybe a little less common. <laughs> peach leaf, it um it's so cooling and it's like a so peach is in the rose family. I'd say most things in the rosaceae plant family are especially the petals and the leaves are going to be a little bit more cooling. Some are more dry, certainly more drying than others, but I love peach leaf tincture. Um, it has that classic sort of like almondy, mm. you know, uh, um, flavor with a bunch of bitter on top of it, which I'm into bitter. Um, and then this really interesting aromatic layer of it too but very cooling there's something about I'm trying to remember if it physically slows metabolic function but it's definitely cooling and I think that's why it's cooling um I love hibiscus yeah that's like an easy classic a hot tip I like to keep hydrosols or just like mm -hmm. a, some kind of thing in the fridge and then I just spray the heck out of myself with a nice cold spray. Nice. Um, a lot of slimy stuff, a lot of slime. Like I love slime. I love demulcent herbs. So you know what a really cool one is, is okra, like in a Ooh. jar, in a jar of water, just cut a one fresh okra and throw it in your jar of water to drink that throughout the day. Yeah. Not for everybody, but oh, and that's like a classic. I'd be into that. I love, I love, I love okra and I'm into slime. But yeah, you know, folks can do chia if, if okra is scary. <laughs> These are great. Yeah. I would love to have you back because there's so much more I want to pick your brain about and hear you expound upon. But for now. I would love to give you some space to tell folks what you're up to, where you're teaching, where they can find you. Please tell them about the candy of the month club. Cause it's genius. Oh, oh and so delicious. I know I, you know, just, Thank you. it's ridiculous. Oh man. Well, okay. So my uh, website and my Instagram. So my Instagram handle is black sage botanicals. That's the name of my my biz and my website, blacksagebotanicals.org. I am teaching, I'm about to go on a teaching tour. So I'm presenting at the Women and Entheogens Conference in Detroit um, in the very beginning of July. From there, I'm teaching at the Good Medicine Confluence in Colorado in the middle of July. It's, it's like a four day, I think there's over 40 teachers. It's gonna be fabulous. Wow. Then I'm driving and doing a teaching tour on the West Coast. So I'll be doing something and the dates are still being lined up, but between the end of July and the middle of August, I'll be teaching in Portland, Oregon, Ashland, Oregon, San Francisco or o Oakland, California, Los Angeles, and maybe San Diego. So if anybody is out there and wants to join, that would be so fun. Um, they can hop on my mailing list through my website or just pay attention on on Instagram or both. And Candy Club, Herbal Candy of the Month Club started as a passion project because I was teaching herbal cooking classes at our local apothecary, the Tucson Herb Store. And folks really liked a lot of the stuff I'd make for class. And people said, can I buy this from you? Can I buy this from you? I as the story goes, someone put a picture of a uh, caramel. I had made like a candy cap mushroom sassafras caramel. And I need, I need to do that recipe again, but someone put it on Instagram. It spread like wildfire. And, and then I realized this is the perfect thing to share because that was right at the beginning of the pandemonium times. And 
I saw so many people having their exis their first ever existential crisis. I've had a lot of existential crises because of mushrooms. So I was like, oh, this is no problem. But um, <laughs> like mentally, but um, I thought this is the perfect project to bring sweet, a little sweetness mm. and a little like childlike, innocent joy into a time that feels yes. really dreadful for a majority of people. And yeah. it it took off. So yeah, I make herbal treats um every month I try and do a completely brand new different recipe and they're super duper small batch they reflect usually what's seasonal or a medicine of the season that may be beneficial and they always are telling a story but they're also just yummy um and they're high grade no no white sugar no flour none of that stuff um so yeah that's a way that like that's kind of from my grandma's teachings where it's if you know if you can feed everybody deliciousness they'll they'll take your medicine <laughs> and they are so, so yeah, yeah. delicious thank you <laughs> the that I've been lucky enough to have oh my gosh and they Thanks. they come with a hand written zine about everything that's in them and your process and there it's just like a delight it really is a delight it's like the medicine comes through at many levels so I appreciate yeah your approach ash i appreciate your way of being in the world i'm so grateful for your time today a total pleasure yeah i look forward to our our next tea time and all the rest <laughs> thank you so much you're so welcome my friend <laughs>